Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year. This season, 2002. Before I introduce this week's panelists, know this, the show is also a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week, have gloating rights, and have to deliver me a morning delivery of Limbus bread. Which if you want to know what that is and what we think it tastes like, you should head over to patreon.com slash yearpopfilter. We did a whole fun segment called Shopping Spree. And if you want to know our full thoughts about this week's movie, Lord of the Rings, The Twin Towers, you're only going to get that over at patreon.com slash yearpopfilter. With me this week, put your hands together, folks, for the one, the only, go 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 I am here and I'm ready to talk about Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Who isn't? Uh, hopefully everybody came prepared to talk about that <laughs> movie because that is the one that is the is subject of our discussion. Fuck. I watched Excalibur from the 80s for some oh, reason. Oh man. Okay. Whoa. Hold on. Is it too late to switch over to a sweet Excalibur discussion? I am ready. Uther Pendragon. M- Mordred's terrifying baby face mask. Yes. Yes, Fuck that or kid. his like haunted forest my nightmares. Of Arthur's knights that when mm. Arthur has to face him and he has to like go through that forest where the knights are just like their dead bodies are hanging in the trees. Mordred, real evil, everybody. I saw that movie when I was five. My mom went, "You'll like King Arthur stuff, right?" Mom, <laughs> come on. Uh, with us as well is Ryan. Hey, what's up? Just got back from watching Return of the King. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, Oof. I think this is going to be fine. Greg watched The Twin Towers. I watched Excalibur. You did Return of the King. All Lord of the Rings movies. It's going to be fun. Average it out. And a very special guest. Hard to get. Months to book. Put your hands together for T-T-T-T-T-Money Bagels, a.k.a. T-Taylor Wilhite. Oof. Guys, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... After all of the effort we put into to move around scheduling and everything, I did accidentally watch the uh, animated Lord of the Rings from like the late seventies, early eighties. That oh, is yeah. mostly a musical, uh, so we we might be two ships passing in the night on a lot of these things here. And Mike, I'm so sorry. Uh, I hate to do this, but I thought what I was watching was Return of the King. It was actually uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the sequel to the Mamma Mia movie. Also mostly a musical. <laughs> mostly a musical. Mama Mia. Now, I want to talk about this musical for a second, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, why did we get none of those songs in this movie? I think because they didn't have the rights, because a lot of them were originals. Like, you can't, you can't just put the Lord of the Lash right into, you know, the two towers. Uh, and I think that they were trying to, like, skirt around, because, you know, famously around this time they had, like, the... The uh, like the score issues with like awards where it's like if you reuse bits from previous movies, you can't be nominated or whatever. Yeah. So I think they were trying to skirt around that. Um, but I really wish that we would have gotten some some reinterpretations. I think it would have gone a long way to making these perfect films even more perfect. Taylor dropping some Oscar drama bombs. I love that. <laughs> there really was a fight. Who do we think has the, the best voice in this ensemble if it became a musical? Aragorn, right? He's he actually sings at the end of the third movie. He's like, "Hey, yeah. now that I'm king, I just thought I would um karaoke." He just yeah, sings. It's either him touch or me uh, from Rocky Horror Picture Show for some <laughs> reason. Yeah. 
Um, I, I can't, is it Merry or Pippin that sings in the third one as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, one of them is the lead singer of Drive, drive Shaft. Shaft. Yeah, you Drive Shaft. You all everybody. Hey. Hell yeah. Whoa. I love a good Drive Shaft rap. Are we going to just become a lost podcast at some point? Oh, it's that happened a long time ago. I've, I've, been. I've, 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 been, I've been thinking about doing a rewatch so often recently. Wait, but not record about it? Well, no, that's why I haven't done it yet. It's because no one has asked me to do a podcast about okay. it yet. <laughs> don't, don't rewatch anything without recording There's it. a little company that I might happen to represent called popfilter.co that would love to have a lost podcast. <laughs> Weird. Intentionally. <laughs> well... We are clearly, we've danced around it. Why are we pussyfooting around? We're talking about Lord of the Rings and Twin Towers. Before we dive in, everybody, and keep this short, one to three sentences, what was your relationship to this movie before we really dig in? Taylor, I think I can already tell. Yeah, um, I fucking, I love all three of these movies, and this one might be my favorite of the three. It's between this one and Return of the King, like very closely, uh, and I fucking love it. I'm all in. What's your stance on the desolation of Smaug? <laughs> um, man, they really should have only done one movie for those. That's really, really long. Really long, Peter. <laughs> really long, Peter. His old nickname comes back again. Greg? Yeah, uh, probably the the movie I have seen the second most after Fellowship of the Ring. Um, I like them of in the Of movies order. or in this series? Uh, of movies ever. Oh, damn. Because like, this is like a yearly... All three of them are like a, a yearly watch. Um, this is the first time in a long time I've seen just the regular cut, though. Because usually I'm a I'm an ex- I'm an extended edition bitch, but yeah. um, not for this. You want that extra long, Peter? Oh yeah, dude, for sure, for yeah. sure. The guy doesn't direct a lot of movies, so you gotta make the ones he has directed longer. He it is a a, a few amount for how large he looms, and one uh, of them is the lovely bones. The lovely bones. That was after these? Weird. Ryan, yeah. what is your history with the Twin Towers? Not that, not the same as theirs. Uh, movies like this made me realize that this whole uh, sequelitis franchise IP shit has been going on forever. Like, I can't believe how many movies I mindlessly went to. Even back then, I just didn't care about, we just like, well, we have to go, right? Because it's a second part it's of something. big. <laughs> it's big. So, like... All the Harry Potter movies, all of these movies, um, even James Bond movies, just go. And I don't know why. Um, haven't thought about this movie that much in 20 or so years uh, until um, we did Fellowship. So that's 2001. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the year 2001 on Movie of the Year. and Two I, years ago in real time. And I, I really had a good time with it. So so good, in fact, that I almost like just watched The Two Towers. Of my own volition. I did not, but I waited till now. Like, uh, I want to watch Return of the King. I'm not going to do it. We'll get to that eventually on the podcast, so I'll just wait. For sure. That's the Oscar winner. Probably yeah. two years from now if history the past holds. dictates the yeah. future. Yeah. Well, that's the movie. We're going to get into it. We're going to take the quickest break. And when we come back, all of our thoughts digging deep in a way that Peter Jackson never expected into Lord of the Rings, The Twin Towers. 
47 years after its original publication inspired nerds to do silly voices while rolling D20s, dozens of Led Zeppelin albums, thousands of books, and a couple of weird-ass cartoons, a splatter horror cult director from New Zealand was given the chance to direct all three Lord of the Rings films. Peter Jackson directed the trilogy back-to-back entirely in New Zealand with minimal studio oversight, doing pretty much whatever he wanted and inventing special effects along the way on the road to his fantasy opus. Late in 2002, the second of the trilogy came out, Lord of the Rings, The Twin Towers, which included the Battle of Helm's Deep, which took three months to film just by itself. Even though it came out in December that year, the sequel became the highest grossing film of 2002 and the third highest grossing film of all time at the time of its release. Taste buds, I ask you this. How does The Twin Towers reconfirm that Peter Jackson was the best choice to direct all three of these movies? I think it's because he understands that you can't, like, make it cool uh, too much. You can do some things that, like, to try to to make it exciting, make it an action movie. But I think he really leans into the fact that um, these are romances. They're not novels. They're romances. And because of that, they're, like, uh, kind of overwrought and super melodramatic. And I could see that being such a huge miss. But he really, like, he finds the truth in that sort of overblown melodrama, and he makes it really sing. And so I think that because of his genuine love for the source material, he's able to manifest it in a genuine way on film. We're in a very dangerous time in 2002. Uh, Like, this is, 2001 is when probably one of the most damaging movies in the history of Hollywood has come out, which is Shrek. Uh, uh, Ruining (laughs) comedy as we know it. I think that it, there was such a good chance that if it was it wasn't Peter Jackson, that this could have introduced that sort of shitty DC MCU humor to this franchise. You know, ten years before all of that came about, before Chris Pratt was saying they're right behind me, aren't they? And for him to be this serious, I think it's. I do still think it's overly serious, but we can get to that in a second. Right now, I will praise him for knowing that level of seriousness to take it. Yeah, I think he like he leans into the seriousness that is there and then like there's definitely he allows for moments of levity. Like Gimli and Legolas are there as sort of like they're sort of a buddy comedy on their Timon own. Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, he has but they, two Rosencrantz and Guildenstern couples in this. It's it's him and then the two non-important hobbits. Mary and uh, Pippin. Mary and Pippin. That's that's actually very offensive to a lot of people. Uh but uh, yeah, like there's there's little bits where they're like, yeah, these are these are the comic relief characters, but they also like they're not there just as a joke. Like they're not like a rocket raccoon or a Groot or whatever. Like they're uh, they're, they're clearly you didn't actually watch the Guardians if you think Rocket Raccoon's just a joke, Taylor. God damn, <laughs> he would hate I, that so much. Rocket <laughs> Raccoon, he would find that so offensive. It's like, like these are I the mean, yeah these are the jokes that would work in a movie from the 30s. Or the fifties, mm-hmm. or you know, thirty years from now, and I'm not even—they're not hilarious, but they're—they're they're timeless. And yeah, I know that this sounds extreme, but I'm very excited that at no point does Aragorn get attacked and do a parody of Matrix Bullet Time in the <laughs> middle of a battle. Like that's where we were at this point. There it are literally rough. characters that, from the first movie to the second movie, one of them acquires the ability to fly, and when that is revealed nobody says they fly now and that is such a refreshing moment of cinema it's 
I'm Greg. I'm so glad that you said that because on this watch, my brain has been so like destroyed <laughs> by internet memes that when it showed up, my my brain said they fly now, <laughs> and and I was so upset with myself that I paused the fucking movie <laughs> to like put myself in timeout. This movie but, has no lines of dialogue that any character played by Zachary Levi would say. <laughs> That's what feels good about it. It has no lines of dialogue that would appear like in normal, normative, everyday human speech. It really is just the kind of lines that appear in like middle English uh, lays of the. <laughs> yeah, it's like and operatic. Like, and I could just see being like not knowing as a writer or a director or a performer how to deliver those lines and choosing to do it very earnestly and trusting the audience to just be like, okay, I see the tone you're setting and I'll go with it. Especially the characters that portray the elves, that is a yeah. that's a heavy lift, man. To be to act like that constantly and never kind of wink at the camera and just be like, "Can you get a get a load of this guy?" Plus, <laughs> I heard that acting like this. I heard that all the character, all the ca- characters who played elves, like once they started t- talking to Elvin on the set, they just kept talking to Elvin yes. way after the movie was done. That's Liv, that's Liv what I think. Tyler, in one of her two scenes, it was originally in English, and she went, "Hey, Pete, nah." We're doing this in Elvish because I fucking learned Elvish. Oh, that was a joke about Austin Butler uh, talking <laughs> Elvish. I didn't know no. that was actually true. No, that's actually oh, yeah, true. Oh, yeah, mama. That's what I think like part of the benefit that Peter Jackson brings us is in the casting that he did, where like so many of the people in this movie also care so like yeah, Liv Tyler was like, No, I I learned Elvish. I know how to speak it. I think it would be better than this. Like Viggo Mortensen was just like, I love the character of Aragorn so much that I'm just gonna like be him. And he like bought the fucking horse that uh, like uh-huh. Aragorn rides in this movie. Like they they all love the books so much and are so committed to the vision that they're like, yeah, I'll do whatever. I will I will make this real, and it's not gonna be hokey. Well, that was a question I had watching it, you know, because uh, you, you guys are talking about the dialogue, but, and we might have talked about this two years ago when we talked about fellowship, but are the lines of dialogue taken from the book word for word or stylistically, or are they saying we're going to write new lines? It's just still going to have like a feel. So many of them are word for word. They, the, 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 yeah. the, the lady who was like in charge of a lot of the adapting. Um, Is that Fran? Yeah. She like actually, if she had to like move the lines from one character to another, she would do that. But like, she did such a good job of preserving so much of like the literal actual lines from the book itself. And it's interesting if you watch like the behind the scenes stuff, because she's very artful at it because it actually is an act of kind of translation sometimes Mm -hmm. to make that really effectively work. And again, I think there's like a tremendous act of faith to be like, okay, this works on the page, but like, is it going to work on the screen? And they seem to say to themselves, if we believe that it will, it will. <laughs> and they, it, they yeah. did it. There's it, a it, theater kid level of earnestness. Yes. That yeah. that makes you, God damn it, they're having such a good time and they believe in it. That it, it does help you skate over some of the... Mm-hmm it feels like you're LARPing. Like from the outside, LARPing always looks silly. But then when you're doing it, it feels kind of fun. I think that's like what this movie is. Like what you're in the experience of this movie. And so it you get caught up in it. Yeah, and it's so like, as you said, like it took them three months to film fucking Helm's Deep because they had, 
you know, a thousand fucking extras at, like dressed up as orcs and they like built a whole set and did the whole thing. Like you, when you're watching it, you feel like they really built this thing. This is a real place that they just went and filmed. And so it feels like, yeah, these people would talk like that. Uh, I wouldn't, but obviously I'm not and, from the re- very real place of Middle Earth. So that's their culture. It, and it that's so the, nice seeing weight everywhere. Yeah. Everything yeah. had a heft to it and a Blowing realness. Blowing up and the actual and the pieces muddiness. falling. That's the part yeah. of the Peter Jackson aspect that I want to get to. Like, there's, it's very clear. This movie, this trilogy is so great because he loves it. Um, it's so much more than I could or do or would that there's a lot of stuff that like I it's not I roll my eyes at I just I it's it's boring like he is including all of the stuff that I don't get that's not the Peter Jackson aspect I think that anybody that loved it would just include this stuff because they felt like they had to but it's the I, th- I feel like we talked about it, uh, this a lot in this season but like this feels like practical effects handing over the reins to CGI and this is like our last burst and there's a ton of CGI in here a ton yeah but there's a ton of not. And that's what I want to focus on is wow. that Peter Jackson, if you look at his uh, older movies with like uh, the the one with the puppets and not meet the Deedles, but something like meet that. Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Thank you. And his uh, need for like I'm putting my hand in the literal grossness that isn't mm-hmm. being con- created by a computer. I mean, there's is it Wargs? Yeah. So there's dog things. Yeah. So like they're running by and you can tell when they're CGI, but you can tell when they're not. And when they're not, it looks so much worse and so much better at the same time. Like there's people like literally throwing stuffed animal dogs across the (laughs) field. So it looks like they're running. And it's that those are the best parts of the movie by far. And it it is that blend because like Treebeard is half CGI, half a giant puppet. It reminds me that the actors were stuck. The actors were stuck so high up when everybody went to lunch, they wouldn't. They would put their food on a pole, so they wrote a script together up and stuck in the trees. That's insane. And it was just potatoes, right? Potatoes and it was just potatoes. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so much of the feel of this movie is like the architecture, both the architecture that still sort of survives and the like the signs that this is like the the end of a great era or or like you know long after the end of a great empire. And the physical places that, like, uh, miniatures that were built and then, like, the camera could tour around. Just, like, you don't get that same feeling from, like, moving through, like, Wakanda's, you know, mines or something like that, Mm -hmm. which are so obviously just one big flat CGI painting, basically. Like, you're on the tram ride at Universal Studios. Like, that's the feeling you don't want to have. And he mixes all of that so perfectly. And the other thing, too, like, we were talking about Bourne identity and what you sort of lose when you get to supremacy and ultimatum is uh like our favorite like the number one thing that we need from an action director is where are we like where are we yeah. now when the camera moves where are we then that's something that i think this middle movie, earth this movie is so good at it's just we know we always know where we are in the battle and that's something that i mean like quantum mania doesn't care about that as much well it's given the time, right? They started building stuff in 1997. I didn't even realize how long they worked on stuff. They they had two. It took two and a half years to build. Let's transition to the CGI. They made two and a half years to build Gollum in CGI, and then they cast Andy Serkis. And after he saw his audition, Peter Jackson was like, "No, no, no! You should actually come to New Zealand. You shouldn't just be the voice." And so they did what they first did in two and a half years, they did in two and a half months to make Gollum actually look more like Andy Serkis. Insulting to Andy, I think. But <laughs> It was actually a pretty quick transition. Yeah. It's caring. 
it's it's a level of care that you hear that the the MCU did like no uh we told our stockholders that it comes out this date so it's so, going to yeah. come out this date no matter what before you even start writing it so we do not give a shit what it actually looks like all of these houses that uh, everybody's talking about all these digital creation houses are just you know burnt to a crisp trying to keep up with these deadlines but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. just meet the deadline instead of hey man here's your 100 million dollar check go to new zealand create new new zealand have like make the best movie you can it's right. it's only 20 years ago but it feels like a century ago Is that all we have to say about Peter Jackson? Any final thoughts? Well, I guess the last the last thing I'll say is that you know it's funny then that he blew it so much because the number one mistake that he makes with the Hobbit movies is that he loses all of these practical elements, and that in every <laughs> single scene in the Hobbit Whoa. movies, everybody is just so clearly standing on like a green square in front of a green screen and that the actors aren't even with each other a lot of the time. So like to, to learn the lesson, but I guess he learned that it was expensive and he wanted to make the Hobbit yeah. movies cheaper or something. And or so, he didn't want to make them. Like I can't yeah, deny I this check. I've, I've spent my entire life and from 97 to 01 prepping for these three, these other ones, like a fi- the, finally the Brinks truck was heavy and so heavy that I couldn't deny taking it, even though it is just going to be in volume or whatever that room is now that is all the time no more mention of peter jackson the rest of this show the director points when we come back we will be talking about some rushmore babies mount rushmore you know what that sound means we're building a mount tonight but it's not to four ugly presidents it's a mountain to 2002 babies. That's right. The four most iconic people who were born in 2002. They're not babies now. That would be confusing and weird. <laughs> Make sense? Yes, Good. it does, Mike. Taylor, let's yeah. start with you. Okay, I'm I'm going to immediately, since I got first pick, I'm going to put what I think is maybe the only... Uh, this, this is the like, most important first pick in Rushmore yeah, history. It's yeah. Gina Ortega is, is the one. Yeah. That's that's the one pick, and then we're all sort of fighting for the scraps of the other people that were born. Like, what other TikTok stars were born in yeah. 2002? I heard that well, Jenna Ortega is so known by the three of us that she is now hated by her peers. Like, that's that's it. <laughs> you have old energy now, Jenna. <laughs> you somehow acquired that. But yeah, you look, you look up these lists of people born in 2002, and half of them are like, they seem like AI-generated celebrities you've never heard of. This person appears on a TV show that yeah, we've watched. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, we know who she is. This I don't know if this is still a meter at all anymore, but this person has hosted Saturday Night Live. That's oh my god, yeah. yeah. Probably hey, one, she is one of like the biggest stars going right now, so it's a good choice. Yeah, she owned last year two horror movies. Wednesday, come on, we've heard of her. Come on, but we're not arguing with you, Mike. Like, come on, what? come on, come on, come on. I'm, fight, I'm fighting against everybody else. Greg, who you got? All right, so now we're on to the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> you just, yep. Everyone has to pick their own Stranger kid, Stranger Things kid to go with, and I am gonna go with Finn Wolfhard. Uh, and it's not yeah. just because Finn Wolfhard is an incredibly awesome name that I've never really taken time to appreciate. Um, it's also because I think his like ethereal waifish charms uh, really are sort of at the center of the the Stranger Things universe, and um, he is a a, a wonderful <laughs> 2002 baby. Do you guys remember that uh, viral clip from I think a Comic Con 
where uh, Pat Oswalt was, uh, what do you call it, arbitrating or emceeing, emceeing, moderating, moderating a Stranger Things panel, and uh, Pat was like, "Now uh, the kid with the best porn name in history, Finn Wolfhard." And then throughout the entire rest of the panel, everybody was like comforting Finn, just like, "It's okay, man. It's I know what he said was terrible, but it'll be fine." I'm just a 2002 baby. <laughs> how, how could you say that to me, a little 2002 baby boy? Uh, you know what, Greg? What? I'm gonna give that to you because he's also one of the. He's the only kid who to break into Ghostbusters Netflix movies. Yeah, like he's been oh, in real yeah. movies. There, there, there were there were a, a, a there was a little bit where they were like. Finn Wolfhard's the the new baby boy. Wait, shit, Timothy Chalamet, get out of my way. Get out of my way, Finn. Go, go away, Finn. Timothy's yeah. here. <laughs> You're standing in front of Chalamet. <laughs> oh, Finn Wolfhard could never be Paul Atreides. I was going to say, <laughs> can you imagine the even whinier version of that character? <laughs> Ryan, who you got? <laughs> you said, can you imagine? And then you sat there and imagined it and got upset. <laughs> yeah, I got annoyed. All right, let's see if we can make that the only Stranger Things representative. Uh, no chance. I'm going to go with somebody who um, is famous in our hearts, but about to get famous in the world. And that's Amon Vellani. Wow. Damn. <laughs> that uh, was quick. Who is about to become a movie star, guys. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the Marvels yet, but she is going to destroy oh, she's that movie. Yeah. She's Ms. Marvel? Yes. Oh, man, she's amazing. She's very cool. She's uh, She's also cool. been in a couple like movies, right? Was she in... I think that she, uh, Ms. Marvel was her first name, but... Oh, okay. She's going to be in a movie, though. At least one. And, I mean, she owns that trailer, and I think the same way that she's going to own the movie. Yeah, and she's I so like... funny and effortlessly charming in, in that show. The... the... Editors of the trailer knew that. And it uh-huh. feels like everybody's like, yeah, f- give it to her, obviously. <laughs> All right. That is, I, I am surprised for how little we know about the youth that we got three locked in right away. Or maybe that perfectly makes sense. So now, Taylor, let's build yeah. this maybe pile. Okay, let's throw some on the maybe pile. I'm going to I'm gonna now, I, I think maybe we will potentially only end up with one Stranger Things kid on here, but I'm going to throw one right onto that maybe pile, see if he burns. Uh, let's put <laughs> Gate Moderato, Moderato on there. Hell yeah, uh, dude. Because he was on Stranger Things, and he broke out of Stranger Things to do a prank show where he got people who were trying to apply for jobs, and then he pranked them. Um, which everyone said that's a that's in poor taste, buddy. You what probably shouldn't do that. Was it called Matarazzo? Uh, Matarazzo? I I think that is less clever than the name. I think it was like prank encounters or something like that, uh, which is nothing. Uh, but hey, he did something that he did something that wasn't Stranger Things. He did do something. He did a show called Prank Prankers, which we think was a take <laughs> on Frankie But it's hard because they're both the same word. <laughs> You're on Prank Prankers. It was just him calling people saying, hey, this is not Gaten Matarazzo. <laughs> and everybody went, is. who? An alligator called me? Is he a refrigerator running? Actually, it's not. Thanks for calling, man. Oh, man. How, who got this turned off? That, I think Maytag just hit us up. Do you guys remember those stories about how Tommy Lee Jones and I think like Al Gore were college roommates and they would make yeah. prank calls together? <laughs> well, what Fuck, a fucking such party that room would have been. <laughs> Man. Yes, I am also here. Those are my two dead-on impressions. Greg? 
I am a people don't know this about me, but I'm a big Sia fan, and uh, Sia has bifurcated her personality into um, the the person who sings and then the person who dances. And the person who dances uh, has I almost called her a little girl. She's 20 now, I guess, but she was little back when I when she first started performing. Um, Maddie Ziegler, who also may have been on one of the dance reality shows. Um, and she's like sort of like the dance Sona of Sia. And uh, check out some of her videos because she is amazing. And the way she emotes while dancing, both like physically with her body, but also like with her face, um, is like just uh, really like very intense. And it feels like a kind of a different experience than, than most music videos or whatever. Um, and yeah, she's so talented. And there it is. There it is. But rules there dictate she's on the maybe pile. Oh, that's Damn. a good pick, Greg. Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, – Greg, thanks for doing that. I saw her name when I was thinking about this category in my mind, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why she was famous, but now I know, so thank you. <laughs> I I looked at that, and I was like, I that name sounds so familiar, but this face is nothing to me. Because uh, it normally has a mini Sia wig on it. Yep, I have that's watched exactly why. the Chandelier video and the Elastic Heart video like many 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 times and so i'm very familiar with her face because like so much of it is just very close-up shots of her like making all these manic very intense faces so she's away from shia labeouf she's sia in the past she will be sia later uh i'm gonna go with like i have two superhero generous two superhero show show (laughs) uh picks here and i think i'm gonna go with the ginger um that is uh she is from i am not okay with this remember that show yes it's a carry yes. thing um and then she was also by far the best part of it um she was in dungeons and dragons honor among Hell thieves yeah. a movie that i have not seen but everyone i know has and loves and comments about druid. chubby dragons um and she is also in wes anderson's asteroid city because she's an actor and if you're an actor you were in wes anderson's asteroid Astros. city <laughs> Her name is Sophia Lillis. Did that Lillis. come out? What is that? That's in a couple months. Uh, I saw a trailer oh, okay. last night. It's literally every actor Everybody. that has ever been born. Yeah. It's at Con, Mike. That's why I think like it's uh, like Con is always when like you you feel like these movies are coming out because people talk about how good they are and then you don't get to see them for six months. Uh, shorter standing ovation than Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese's new movie, Nine Minutes. So that's what we're working with this year. Nine minutes is but, when you're starting to get serious, right? Like, I feel like we've heard, like, some really gaudy numbers, like 20 or something like that. Martin Shrek Scorsese get 10? Shrek, yeah. Shrek got 10. <laughs> to bring Shrek Don't back get. Martin Scorsese just did an interview where he was like, I don't have that much time left. I need to make yeah, movies. Dude. And now they're going <laughs> to spend nine minutes of his life. He's just, like, looking at his watch. I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> I have other movies in my head. Well, Sophia Lillis is great. And on that maybe pile. Taylor. Okay, um, I have um, one more person whose name I I sort of recognized, uh, <laughs> and that is um, once again one of the other Stranger Things kids, uh, Sadie Sink, <laughs> the the other the other ginger, the one the uh, show kind of like has become about for whatever reason. Yeah, it sort of shifted to be sort of like she became like a main character or the main character after like season three or four when she was introduced or whatever well i don't know if uh, it's chicken or egg but she got very popular and so uh, yeah that might th- might be because the show focused on her or that's why the show started to focus on her but she also plays um taylor swift's avatar in her 
twelve minute short film. Okay. Yeah. So and I think she's she's been in a couple of other projects. She is like most mostly I think just now like a a popular kid. Uh <laughs> who people are like, hey, let's let's get this kid in the picture. Or whatever however <laughs> Hollywood people do it. Uh but that she's the last um she's the last name that I, I recognized and I hope I hope that you don't ask me to to know <laughs> any more of these two thousand two children because I'm gonna start right. pulling from an internet list of Everybody's people who live get... in a house with other Gen Zers um, and, <laughs> and post prank videos where they torture old people. <laughs> Everybody's gonna get two more. All right, Greg. Okay, let's see. Oh, um, there is a there's a young actress out there making it just on her her own um, her own talent. Her name is Iris Apatow. Um, and basically kind of like bootstraps, um, just, she's been in films since she was a real little kid, uh, delivering some iconic lines, um, and just trying to, just trying to make it, even though there's no one out there looking out for her. Very good. (laughs) Ryan? Um, the other superhero show show actress is Amelia Jones, who was the star of Lock and Key but was also the only person not nominated uh, for the Oscars for two years ago from being the star of the movie Coda. And she went through a lot. She had to learn how to sign. She had to learn how to sing all from scratch. Um, She's the best part about the movie. She just wasn't nominated, probably because she's too young. I do think that there is some ageism going on here. But I I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing this person for a very long time. She was the best part of Lock and Key. Yes. It looked like she learned how to act. Right. And that is so daunting to have not. to learn sign language and how to sing. Those yeah, are two those feel different, very big skills. Right? She's also, I mean, she's British, though. That's why she knew how to act already. Of course. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because British, British people aren't actually like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your Mount Rushmore of 2002 babies, which we can all agree is too many babies for any one person to handle. Mm. Is Jenna Ortega, Finn Wolfhard, Iman Vellani, and Sophia Lillis. I'm putting my stock on her. That gets around the point. That's a good choice, dude. That's that yeah. I think the clear fourth choice there. When we come back from the quickest of breaks, it's more not fellowship. Twin Towers. <laughs> Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check them out. Taste Buds, Fellowship of the Ring was lauded for its casting and ensemble work. The Twin Towers finds her characters spread out over the map and not interacting as a group. This is normal for a second act, as Twin Towers is, but does this movie miss something with not having a gang together? And how are we to judge the second part in a trilogy while holding its own as a film? 
Uh, I'll take this first part first, Mike. I like. Mike, I, let me hop in here. I, I think that it. Uh, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, but like, basically, all of the bonding that we get from the group, like the ensemble as a whole, is watching. Or like you know, like the classic like haha, we're all sitting around having drinks is mm-hmm. the uh the elf and the dwarf making jokes. And right. all that stuff with the humans and the um hobbits, hobbits and all of that, like that's definitely missing here from Fellowship. I don't understand real quick, I don't understand the people who say that this might be the best of the three having recently seen Fellowship. That seems fucking insane to me. Fellowship is phenomenal. The set pieces in Fellowship are bar none, like so much more interesting. It's got more heart. It's got the, some of the best action scenes. The, the world building, I think, is better. This is every action movie I've ever seen, whereas Fellowship is something completely different. I don't get why people say this is their Do favorite. You, it feels like when people talk about this movie, they only talk about Helm's Deep. Yeah, and it feels yeah. like they all of memory hold snowboarding with the shield Legolas, which happens so at Helm's Deep. But yeah, which happens at Helm's Snow, Deep. Snowboarding no, with I'm the shield. No, memory hold. Like they don't Legolas talk is about dope. that. Snow, but, snowboarding shield Legolas is part of the reason I do love Helm's Deep. It, I, but I, I feel like they forget the, about the way how Peter Jackson moves the camera changed. It suddenly felt like a Three Ninjas movie. It was <laughs> yeah. crazy. And I love the three ninjas. I don't. I, you're saying a bunch of cool shit to me, but I do. I do think that. You're right that a big part of the, like, I love the two towers is the the back hour is just kick-ass. Because it's, like, at two points meeting, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the Ents are going to war. And you get to see big giant trees go and fuck shit up. But and, I, get, oh, yeah. I, get that from, I get that from so many other movies and so many other series of, like, well, I don't think we're going to war yet. Uh, we might, but not now. Uh, and then you cut back into them, you know, every 15 minutes or so. And then it's all leading to every single every single person that we have met all coming to the same place. And it's the, the last 30 minutes, 45 maybe, are undeniable, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's incredible. But it isn't this new, new thing that Fellowship was. I don't get why it would be considered better or why it would be somebody's favorite. And you know what part of it is, Ryan? Like, they keep going back and forth to the same locations, and there's something about Fellowship. Like, they set out and go into the world, and they just keep coming to new places that you've never seen before. And just the simple act of, like, switching between locations that you've already understood. Like, Star Wars is all different planets. This is just this fucking Middle Earth. Like, we have to walk through. This is the sand part. This is the snow part. Yeah, and each part is interesting and beautifully shot. Whereas, oh, the Ent part again. You know, like I did keep feeling that, like, ah, let's I have think, the same conversation. I think that this is where the translation from book to movie hurts this movie in particular, because this book is divided more cleanly into two yeah. parts. That is like the Aragorn stuff and Helm's Deep. And then the back half is the Sam and Frodo stuff. And they took some of the stuff from the beginning of this book and put it in the first movie and they took some of the stuff from the end of this book and put it into the third movie. And so they're cutting in between to make it like to keep up this, the suspense on all of the storylines. So I do think that there are bits where in order to keep the whole movie moving, bits of it drag away from the things that you're interested in. And there I, are times where you see Aragorn for five seconds, and then you see Frodo for a minute, and then you're just like, "What? I, I'm whiplashed." You split a normal conversation between two people, and now it takes a half an hour because you wouldn't. You're like, "Well, we got to remember Frodo." 
<laughs> that and like what Frodo is going through is crazy and interesting. And Aragorn and what he's going through is again every Braveheart esque movie I have ever seen. So like to to put that on such a back burner again. I know Act Two of or Part Two of Three, but still like that's why I think this drags so much. See, I I think I just disagree with you, Ryan, about the Aragorn stuff because I understand what you're saying. Like it, it's it's every action movie, but I think like the action is cool and it's and it's great. But I think there are better action sequences in like the third movie. The thing that I like about the second movie is it feels like they are it feels like they're scrabbling and it feels like they are trying to get like get rohan on board they don't like everyone is so disinterested in coming together and fight the thing and in the second movie is where we get like finally a little bit of hope and they're bringing in like okay now rohan's on board the elves are here they're joining in now like we're starting to actually build like it's not just like <laughs> 10 dudes on on a single mission and there are only hope the world is coming together and we're slowly building it up and then we, we get to move into it. but this is like where we first see that growth and that's the interesting part of this movie to me is it because i don't remember three that's why two is not important to me me i, I mean uh, i just i think i think you're keying in on something that is real ryan which is that there's a lot of different flavors to one and that there's kind of just like the same mix of flavors in two and i think that it has the second movie thing of where it ends in a really unsatisfying way like the movie seems to nod towards the fact that like yeah well this is not a wrap-up at all like we're kind of the camera almost kind of like drifts off to the side and it's like well no more movie everybody (laughs) uh and so like it leans into it in a way but it just it lacks all of the newness and excitement of the first one and it lacks all the concluding elements of the third one and so it really is just moored in the middle and normally that doesn't matter but it kind of matters for us because we approach this as or i don't know i think the idea is to approach it as its own thing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it's not that meaningfully in 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 any way like it doesn't purport to be its own thing it doesn't try to and it would never if you approached it that way peter jackson would be like well no it's the second part of the (laughs) i just yeah exactly you know and like we have that with empire right where empire sort of stands on its own and is its own thing but i just like for me it's the moment and the best part about my day watching the two towers is when i went to youtube and watched uh from the first one ian holm saying oh is is that is that is that my old necklace and then having that freak out face thing or the part where the fellowship comes together those moments i don't think aren't here off the battlefield there is nothing really engaging or intriguing like off the battlefield driven. yeah in this movie i i disagree all of the frodo and sam stuff is like frodo descending like having a very interesting relationship with Gollum, where he's like i'm becoming this and i don't know how to stop it but i want to save this dude because that's the only way i can have hope and then sam is like carrying him and gives that long speech about how like this fucking sucks but we have to like do it like because like th- if we stop hoping we're all going to die like they're all having those moments and like ex- like they are all experiencing like uh, essentially almost dying and being like we might fail and the world will end uh but like we like we are gathering the glimmers of hope like all of that to me is 
character stuff and it's happening like in and amongst battles because that's like they have to be up against stakes but like they are growing and, and changing as like character stuffs and I guess that's what I'm I'm trying to say is like that's the interesting <sighs> thing in this movie to me. And that's that's to me too. It's just for. that's on the back burner. I, I I half agree with you, Taylor. I think the Frodo Gollum stuff is pretty riveting. Yeah, Frodo being like, "Oh fuck, this is what I could become," and so like, I don't know how to save me, but like all of that worked, and I think it was great. And and Andy Serkis should have been nominated. Uh, the Frodo Sam stuff felt like the same conversation for what this movie's three hours for three hours. Yes. They until Sam gets his long hope speech, they just keep doing the same shit. You're being a dick. No, I'm not. It's because the ring. Maybe it is. Five minutes. You're being a dick. No, I'm not. It's because the ring. Maybe it is. And I was like, we, we we fucking get it. Like, maybe this is when being married to the source material, maybe you don't want somebody who loves it so much. And you could be like, I don't know. Let's arc him a little. Let, let's do a little more something here and to give Sam something to do. Sam is a pathetic character. I, he's I, what my mom calls a Ross Geller. I, I don't think, I think man. he's more than a Ross Geller. I think he's a Chandler Bing. But I, I think that him knowing that, like, he's the he's the not the Robin to the Batman, but like sort of I'm the guy who gets the guy mm-hmm. to do the thing. I think that's all cool. And I, I like, I love the last scene of like, do you think that they'll write songs about us? Like, do you think that will be part of history? Um, but yeah, I, I can see how when we cut back, it's all, it's it, really the most interesting part about Sam is Sam's jealousy. I don't know if jealousy is the right word or just distrust which is distrust it's it's, there's definitely jealousy but dancing on jealousy of frodo and Gollum, and also it's kind of like he hates he's beginning to hate the part of frodo that Mm -hmm. is Gollum. i think the three of them together make a great image of like one single personhood that we carry with us like we are like a kind of a divided personage and like we have the person that has like the the mission like the ego and then we have like the id and the super ego with us and the three of them kind of make up that group and i personally feel like i kind of drag elements of myself through the day sometimes and they're like those elements are sort of like bickering with each other and intention with one another and so i think it's kind of interesting in that way because it's like you kind of see them all as phases of the same personality in a way which it, yeah, it's it's very scary, what? and I understand. But like, I I do I see what Mike is talking about too. Where like we get it, if not textual, then subtextual. We get it subconsciously. Like, but don't we have to do something else with our time? You know what would have been interesting if they had had the sort of I think courage is, is maybe the right word to just embrace the fact that that kind of does seem to be like an obviously homosexual relationship, and uh, instead of shying away from that, like really, really leaning into it deeply, and maybe like Sam loves Frodo romantically, what? and then explore those possibilities, because then yes. it makes him more than just this weird, like lower class, like, well, I would do anything for the upper class, because that's my job, and it You're would right. sort of situate it. It seems like that's there, but it's if they leaned on it or highlighted it a little bit. The first shot of them is amazing because I didn't remember. Like, I know that the reputation of the movies has become that they're a couple, but the first shot of the movie is Frodo like waking up, and then Sam right next to him also wakes up as yeah. like that classic <laughs> shot of a couple in bed <laughs> springing up at the same time. Yeah, just like and what? What's up? What's go going downstairs? Here? I heard a noise. <laughs> there, there are bits like. 
I believe in the scene, I can't remember which movie it's in, but in the scene where Frodo wakes up and Sam rushes in and like grabs his hand, Ian McKellen was very like in- intentional. And he was like, hey, you need to like grab his hand and make it very tender because I read this as a as a child and as a young little gay man, this was like very important to me, their relationship. So I think they definitely like, they added a little bit into it, but I, I you're right, Greg. I think it would have been better if they really just like fully committed. These guys uh, but, are husbands, basically. But you know, like, there are no 2002, I do not think was was ready for for that in the. Uh, nor Peter Jackson in his storytelling yeah. style, right? This is not Douglas Sirk, but I do think that like the melodrama, that melodrama aspect of it, of like will they, won't they, would have given me something to carry me on when there wasn't like an orc getting a sword Why? through his eye. Oh, man, but remember that work out of sword through his eyes? Fucking metal. Uh, let's wrap up this segment. So we, we've talked about the, the old cast is spread out all across Middle Earth. Uh, which are the new additions? Is there anybody who stands out who holds their part? Uh, I was waiting the fucking whole time for uh, I Am No Man. Oh, that's three. Oh, yeah. that's, that's three. That's three. Miranda, yeah. that, wasn't, that didn't uh, happen in Eowyn, one? Eowyn. Yeah. It's, it's so clearly put on ice. Like, multiple times it's told, <laughs> women don't hold holds. Uh <laughs> And then, so uh, after a while, I started to put together, like, oh, this is the development of how she's always put on ice. And then in the third one is probably when it happens. Um, but she is my favorite. Uh, like, she's, because she's uh, probably the actor of all the new ones that is the most capable of um, doing something with nothing, right? Like, yeah. here, here's my shocked face at you busting into my castle nothing. or how hot Aragorn is or, like, <laughs> there's so many things. God, we're all so obsessed with how hot Aragorn is. It's so hard. Well, the not camera to be. is. The camera is just yeah. like oh. absolutely in love with him. Did he? Like it, did he take hot pills since even the fellowship? Like, I feel like something. He's happened. hotter in this because you know what it is. Yeah. Is he's more the king. He's becoming the king more and more. And so he's like Strider in the first yeah. one. You know, he's still just the dirty ranger. And in this one, he carries himself with like a little bit more grace and presence. But, and I think you read it. I th- I think it's both that and I think he is like physically filthier in a lot of this one like he's yeah. just he's covered in mud and, and, and but like moist and wet. he's so hot in this not it, it, what finishing this wasn't like oh i need to go watch return the king i was like should i go watch eastern promises yeah. i'm pretty sure i could see some vigo dong <laughs> <laughs> oh was that rain and mud it just made my curls perfect i don't know i don't know what to do about that uh, is my ha- hair bouncing sorry about that everyone and so then, is eowyn the only one who stands out i know w- Grima Wormtongue, I think, is like he's a, such a shitty little guy, but I yeah, lo- I love his character, and Brad Dourif is so good at just being like a, a little freak. You, you want a shitty little guy? You call Dourif. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he. W- w- by the time we arrive there, he's no longer even trying to hide it. I think that's such yeah. an interesting way to do yeah. that. Like he, it's like the the king is completely crusted over. He's just like one big crust on the throne, and Grimma Wormdog is like all pale and sweaty and snapish and just like whispering yeah. right in his ear. That like whole scene is just I, so messed up. I know this is the series that like set the standards, but I don't know if a new dude who looks like this named Wormtongue comes in, don't trust him. I love that shit about like, hey man, what's your name? Uh, Bob. Bob what? Worm tongue. Bob backstabber. <laughs> Bob traitor. <laughs> and you, I'm Treebeard. Why? Well, look at me. Don't and call tr- don't call me a tree. How dare you call me a tree? My name is Treebeard. Uh, my friends are all named after trees. These all these are trees beach. are dead. Oak. Yeah, this is this is beach and oak. Uh, all these trees are dead. That offends me. Don't fucking call me. Don't you ever call me a tree. <laughs> 
You're so I also the ints are just a joy to see, and I love just the concept of a bunch of old tree dudes who are so boring that all of all of the women of their species just left, and they can't find them anymore. <laughs> they're like, we don't want to put up with your shit anymore. And I like how everywhere they meet, they're like, but if you see the ladies, please ask them to come <laughs> home. <laughs> please, if you see please. The wives, the end wives, please send them back on home. I have to say, their end is cells. a great new character. And uh, I love the economy of being like, you know what we can do? We can take somebody with a great voice who's already in this movie, and that way we don't have to hire a whole new actor. I did thought, I did think that sounded familiar. Yeah, it's Gimli, you know, Reese Davis or whatever his name is. Yeah, like the same, the same guy. That is all the time we have for that. We're gonna take the quickest breaks when we come back. It's time for a game. Now, taste buds, the time has come for a little deal with the (sighs) devil. AKA the rules are simple, but the game is hard. When I finish asking the question, then you ring in with your name and only then Ryan. Yes. It just says it, it like when you say the rules are simple, but the game is hard. It feels like the next thing you say is going to rhyme with hard. Do you know what I mean? Like that's uh, the, maybe try rules that next are time. Simple, but the game is hard. You suck powers, but I throw cards. It became about Rogan Gambit. I'm sorry. <laughs> As all your uh, raps do. They always will eventually. Those two dirty, weird Southern Bells. But no, this is not about the X-Men. This is going to be all about the Twin Towers, the movies, the books. Mostly the movie, not really the books. Uh, but you guys know how to play trivia. Let's dive in. Question the first. Which of the actors was hurt during filming, and what was the injury? Taylor. Ryan. Taylor. Um, it, well, it depends. on Almost all of them were, but famously, it was Viggo Mortensen broke his toe while kicking the helmet when they find uh, the, <laughs> the camp where Marion Pippin, they think they lost Marion Pippin. He, when he fell to his knees and cried, Peter Jackson was like, he's such a good actor, having no idea that his lead just broke his toes and kept rolling with it. That's amazing. Broke his toza? Toza. Multiple toes? toes? Multiple Wow, that sucks. I can't remember. Was it in and was it in this movie or the previous one that uh, Orlando Bloom fell off a horse and broke a rib? Yeah, Orlando broke a couple ribs. Uh, Gimli tweaked his knee. There's a scene where all three of them are running and all of them are fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> like the actors. <laughs> NFL. So it looks like the characters are tired, but no, the actors. Uh, Vigo also broke a tooth and then had to go to a dentist covered in all the mud and blood and shit. Also, uh, know, like then, we think acting is so glamorous, but they like <laughs> subject them to so many dangerous things, and they get hurt all the time trying to do them. <laughs> we all almost died. And then uh, Sean Astin uh, just stepped on a shard of glass, and it went through his Hobbit shoe and his foot. Rudy, Oof. Rudy. <laughs> all right, what character is in the movie but not the book? Greg, Greg, Eowyn. Hmm. I don't know how to say all these names, so I don't think that's the one. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Wolverine. Taylor. Did I miss Wolverine in this? Oh, you didn't see him? <laughs> I blinked and I missed him. He was Taylor. like snickety snickety. Uh, I don't think Arwen is actually in this part of the book, right? <laughs> uh, she is not. Or it is. They, yeah, they pulled stuff from the appendices. Apparently there's an appendix called the Ballad of Arwen and Aragon, and that's what they're just like, let's... Is that we, we need two girls at least, right? Yeah, yeah. dude, we got to get some ladies in this. Yeah, because she, she only appears in um, in like the dream sequences for this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who was Uma Thurman originally set to play? Ryan. Ryan. Galadriel. No. Greg. Greg. Arwen. No. Taylor. Taylor. 
Eowyn? <laughs> yes. And who was Ethan Hawke originally set to play? Greg. Greg. Aragorn. No. Ryan. Ryan. Wolverine. <laughs> I mean, probably. Taylor. Taylor. Faramir? <laughs> yeah, I am trying to say people wow. from this movie. Yeah. That, uh, that I totally was guessing on that one. <laughs> next question. That, that would have been distracting, right, with those two? Ryan. <laughs> Ryan? Yes. Greg. Greg? No. Uh, I think to have two they actual... They blend seamlessly into the scene, just as they always do. Two celebrities in this movie full of dirty chuds, I think would have been distracting. Dirty chuds. Uh, when they first met, what did Liv Tyler say to Miranda Otto, who plays Eowyn? Ryan. Ryan. Is your name Miranda Otto, and do you love to get blotto? <laughs> I don't think that's right, but blotto's always going to get Greg. Me. Greg. Do you want to brush each other's hair? Oh, no. Seems. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor. Um, do you have, like, six appendages that you can add on to yourself that are, like, robotic limbs uh, and become oh, Dr. Octopus? I get, I get it. I get it. Uh, it's, I'm so glad there's at least one other woman in this film. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she, she called it out. True or false, Mike received the Twin Towers on DVD for Christmas, tried to watch it alone, fell asleep, and never went back till this week. Ryan. Greg. Ryan. True. What if that was false, man? That would be crazy. Really <laughs> uh, what character is a total bro in the book but got turned into kind of a dick for the movie? Ryan. Ryan? Treebeard? No. Because he's dope in the movie, right? Yeah, he's dope as hell. Yeah. Treebeard's always a bro. Yeah. Taylor. Taylor. Faramir? <laughs> yeah, in the book. He meets them, and he's like, you got the ring? I wouldn't even pick it up if I saw it on the street. Where do you need to go? Let's go, little dudes. <laughs> and Peter Jackson was like, oh, yeah. I don't want to talk shit on Tolkien. But maybe an arc. Yeah, maybe like have a little here. bit of tension. Faramir uh, brings more like uh, Game of Thrones character in this movie than yeah. the rest. Well, he is the brother of a Game of Thrones character <laughs> from the first one, Boromir. Is that a... Uh... Bean. Ned Stark. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a trivia question. 006. Oh. Should have been shit. Which actor played two characters? Greg. Greg. John Rees Davies. What? We just talked about it a second ago, and I tried to not make a face. Because, <clears throat> yes, he was Gimli and Treebeard. That's the problem what with trivia. Is sometimes people are going to mention things about the movie. I know. How dare that happen in a movie <laughs> podcast? What does Mike think of when he hears the name Sauron? Ryan. Ryan. A uh, X-Men villain that's a pterodactyl man who doesn't want to solve cancer. He just wants to create more dinosaurs. What does Sora not want to do because he'd rather turn people into dinosaurs? Greg. Ryan. Greg. Cure cancer. What? Woo! <laughs> I did it. So proud of myself. Other than the Frighteners, and I will say this one is from Fellowship of the Ring. Other than the Frighteners, name a pre-Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson film. Ryan. Ryan. Meet the... God, de- not the Deedles. Uh, brain dead. What? Huh? <laughs> Did I not write down? No. Brain something. Anybody Greg. else? Greg. Meet the Deedles. Ryan, meet the Feebles. <laughs> Shoot, you, you even said the <laughs> correct name earlier. <laughs> uh, 
Anybody name anyone else? Get a point. Free for all points. Name some of this uh, guy's filmography. Uh, uh, King Kong. <laughs> Dead Alive, Heavenly Creatures, and Bad Taste. What comedian famously lied and said he was in the Tower of Isengard when it was attacked by ants? Nobody Taylor. remembers this guy's name. <laughs> Taylor? Steve Ran is easy. Oh yeah. The Gaten Matarazzo of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> Which Lord of the Rings book has Mike never read? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. The Cimmerillion. Does that count as a Lord of the Rings book? I'm sorry, no, I just sir. Mean, like, Greg. The, the, the trilogy. Greg. Uh, Return of the King. What? Which Lord of the Ring movie has Mike never seen? Right. Taylor. <laughs> I I truly do not know who said Call on me, Mike. Say Greg. Greg. Return of the King. That's Return of the King. Yeah. What? And that will hold true until Move of the Year has to do this in four years. Gets to. <sighs> that is all the time we have for trivia. We're going to take the quick breaks and when we come back, more Twin Towers. Well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Taste buds. The Twin Towers is a surprisingly straightforward action movie with two and a half hours of build-up before we can watch Good Fight Evil. But what, if anything, do Tolkien and Jackson actually think about good and evil? I think that this story, both the movie and the book, are about what it feels like to be on one side of a conflict and not necessarily portraying both sides of a comic. This is not Game what? of Thrones. This is not like, well, some families have good people and bad people. And, you know, there's like no one person is totally right ever in a historical context. This is like almost a little intimidating how one-sided this conflict is. There are evil people who all they want to do is kill and ruin the world and make everything be covered in ash. And then there are people who are like, no, don't do that. We just want to live in our homes and be peaceful. And I think that you can look at that as a weakness, but that's not what this is not trying to be about a complicated conflict. It's trying to be very much about a simple conflict, what it feels like to feel like you are fighting for your life. I don't, uh, the names are shockingly similar, so I apologize, but, uh, which one is Saruman and which one is Sauron? Saruman is the wizard. Sauron is the bad eye. So Sauron wants Ash. He wants the cease, the ceasing of life. On the planet? Basically, yeah. yeah. He wants yeah. to make the uh, hellscape. He's yeah, like a demon. Yeah, he is, he is the lieutenant of, of uh, Morgoth, who was the uh, Valar who split away from the rest. And they all created the world, and he sort of wanted to control it for himself. And if he can't control it, he wants to burn it. So, okay, yeah, he just so wants like, to destroy it. Satan, like fallen angels, sort of like... If I can't yes. win, then no one wins, and like it. But like, does he rule over something if he wins? Like, is there so? Is it just like demons and Balrogs and shit if he wins? 
Yeah, I think it's like a twisted hellscape, but he doesn't like it when it's nice. So he wants it to be like Okay, that. so no niceness, no flowers, mm, no like color. Yeah. yeah. He's like and, and you know, he's like kind of like perpetual. Like they keep killing him and he keeps coming back and they keep and so yeah. I think he just represents the fact that like there will always be some dark force rising he's, on yeah. the horizon. The I White think, Queen in Narnia, right? Becomes the yeah. the green priest like it's you find yeah. out you go through all the Jadis. colors. Yeah. 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 So Sauron would re- he's in the Game of Thrones, he would rather be the ruler over ashes than like have anyone else be in charge. I think when the, these two movies shine, or at least when this movie shines and makes me think of Fellowship, is when we're dealing with hobbits. And um, believe it or not, it's uh, Merry and Pippin with the ends. Like, there's a point where they don't know if they're going to win, and you know, like it's hard to like think of this in our world of like because we don't have true evil, despite what it seems like conservatives are. We don't have true, true evil, but like, they're like, Hey, well, I don't want to fight anymore. Let's just go home. And the other guy's like, bitch, what do you think is going to happen what? if we just go home? And that's where this movie hits me the most. It's not like mm. it, it, it really is white hats versus black hats, right? It really is good versus evil, but it is like, we're too small to fight the evil. So why don't we just go relax in the Shire? And it's like, that's not fucking possible, dude. Like it right. will overtake that as well. And in the books, that does literally happen. Like, after yeah. they kind of defeat Saruman, he leaves, and he leaves the main conflict, and then he just goes and conquers the Shire for, like, just, <laughs> just for he thought that would yeah. be a good idea. Just for S's He just Z's. fucks it up. <laughs> yeah, because it's, like, something he, can, something he can do. So there is, like, no place to hide. And you have to imagine Whoa. how, in 2002, this message was, like, so important to us that you couldn't mm. sit on the sideline anymore, that evil was Whoa. a force that was rising and that it could be combated. And that it was wrong. And clear. To, it was, they, their yes. evil was clear. Yeah. yeah. And that it was wrong to, to, to simply like say, like, well, I'm not going to be part of this conflict. You know? And we were having these like paroxysms of, of fits on the international stage. For, and we've discussed this on this show a lot. But for countries that just wanted to like, wait a little bit and see if we could figure out what was going on before we started just like, mobilizing troops. And that was like, so unacceptable. To or wait, and, wait a little bit to see if maybe the evil the pure pure evil would just say like but you that country you can just stay like you are like we're we're just going to totally skip you over and we're not going to completely destroy your country as well yeah. like what he I wanted also, with the shire i also think that like it's very interesting the time that the movie came out as opposed to the time when the books came out because there is like that jump between like the hobbit and lord of the rings is like the Hobbit's a fun little journey where uh, yeah. the Hobbit and some dwarves go on a little adventure and find a bunch of gold. And, uh, and, and then somebody learns some shit. And, and then, like, I, there's that famous tweet that's, like, it, it, the Lord of the Rings is, like, if, like, 10 years after, like, Stuart Little, E.B. White plopped down a thousand pages about how Stuart's nephew kills the devil. Like, <laughs> it's, like, su- like, suddenly World War II happened. And J.R.R. Tolkien was like, okay, some things are pure evil and we have to write something about how, like, we can fight pure evil. And so then to see that, like, in in 2000, you know, in the span of, like, 2001 to 2004-ish, like, to have that be, like, the message, I feel like there, it's pretty easy to draw, like, some parallels suddenly. Uh, and I, I that's just a very interesting, like, bit of like sometimes things are really truly evil and and we, we, got, all, we gotta fight it we all have to play our part like even if it's just like yes psychosomatically even if it's just like yeah do it no so matter how small sleep at night no matter if, if you're just exactly like yeah th- 
it, it, this movie reminds me of a uh, far superior movie, Last Action Hero, where uh, the kid gets brought into the screen. The kid is the Hobbit, and like Aragorn's a Terminator, right? He's an Arnold Schwarzenegger character. He's gonna like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna die. He's ready for death wherever he goes. He's an action hero, but it's the Hobbits and their choices that like these wow. whole things spin on. Did we talk about when we did the show for uh, the first one that Aragorn is like a hundred years old in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, He's, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think cano- I think canonically he is like eighty-seven yeah. or something. He's like he's so old. But because he's like he's like this. Is, the movie has the the books have like a lot of kind of old-fashioned ideas in them, and one of them is that um, there are some people who are like genetically. Like yeah, he's because he, he's d- a descendant of like the Dunedain or whatever yeah. that are just like allowed to live for three hundred years or whatever. Is yeah, it true that they for... they cast Robert De Niro as Viggo Mortensen and just aged him down with CGI so his <laughs> kicks look awesome? Wow. Is there because so books came out post World War Two? He started marketing the movies movies in the nineties. Like other movies we've seen have for this season have reacted to nine eleven. Is there anything of the Twin Towers reacting to 9-11? Or, or he did not do that at all. If, if there's anything, it's people projecting, right? There's not. No, well, that, mean, that, uh, Sam Gamgee's speech at the end is 100% like, hey, America, this one is for you. Like, Yeah. Because that, <laughs> that's, that's what from it, the book. No, that is a speech that is, I believe, fully, like, I think that he just did that himself. Because Improvised he, on he, the set. He ripped that, it. Yeah, that they just needed. Because if I remember correctly, like, because the end of their storyline in the second book, they moved to the beginning of the third movie. So they're like, we don't have anything to end their yeah. story on. So they gave Sam <sighs> that speech. So, so I, it, I think that is the one thing that is like put into the movie. Hey, 9-11 was pretty rough, right? The big American flag that unfurls behind him, I thought kind of <laughs> gave it away. That was nuts. But did you see before it, it said Trump 2024 right behind it? Uh, just so Toby Keith showed up in the background for some reason. <laughs> just like drinking out of solo cups everywhere. There's one Lord of the Rings book. And in that book, there's two parts. No, there's three books. There's, there's three, three Lord of the Rings books. A, Fellowship, a The Two Towers, and Return of the King. Okay, but in the Two Towers book, half of it is split between Aragorn and the Hobbits. And yeah. yeah, if I remember correctly, it, they do sort of like an Act One, Act Two situation where. Like, so this, this wasn't Peter Jackson saying like the Hobbits eighty pages. I'm going to make it three movies. It was very clearly three different things. Yes, but as yes. Taylor pointed out, he picked weird ending points and beginning points. The the second book starts with Boromir dying and ends with the spider. Yeah. Stat, like basically it seems like Frodo is dead at the end of the second book. It seems very, very clear that he is dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything I read, they're like, well, the second book doesn't have like a good cliffhanger ending, so obviously it should be Helm's Deep. And instead we got Gollum being like, oh, she'll handle them next time. Wink at the camera. No, dude, I think like, the second one has a perfect ending. The second I one, it seems very much like Sam is going to have to carry the ring on his own and that now he's going to be the guy. And like that, it feels like so epic. That and you're like, oh my God, Frodo's really dead. And then the beginning of the next book is like, well, no, he's not. Don't worry. That There's that movie. ending, but the one before that is... And this would have been post credits if this, you know, was twenty years later. But Gandalf, like saying, like that Helm's Deep, dude, we did it. But look <laughs> off into the future, shit's gonna suck. And then it cuts to the Hobbits and Gollum. Speed round. <clears throat> As we've stated, and maybe we didn't. We just took it at face value and didn't tell the listeners. We did not watch the extended cut. But did you miss it? 
Can you even tell? Is it possible to argue that this is the better version anyway? In our uh, gentlemen, an extra hour. It's only f- like 47 minutes, okay? And I did this. I have to say, I am one of those people who watches the extended versions and then says of all the stuff that appeared in the theatrical release, oh, this is only in this one. I can't <laughs> even really tell what's not what's in one and what isn't in the other. Like, I'm not what? good at that. So I didn't feel like I missed that much because I don't remember what was in the extended version. And yeah, like, typically, let's just take these three instead of saying extended versions in general. Uh, are we missing... 30 seconds from every scene or are we missing entire plot lines when we don't it's, watch the extended it's usually like entire scenes and then sometimes extended bits of of other scenes like there's there's an entire flashback scene of like boromir and faramir like and like diving into Fucking. their sibling relationship and like setting up that faramir is like the discarded child the and second all that son, stuff yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh, there's more arwen right because i read that in the extended scene she was supposed to be in it more and they cut her even out of the extended cut, but you can still see her in Helm's Deep because they were like, well, we're not going to go in and cut her out of all the fighting. <laughs> so you can just see Liv Tyler fighting in the background, but they're like, <laughs> ignore her. That's awesome. <laughs> and like, yeah. do you think it's just like, well, they gave me a blank check, so film it all and we'll figure it out later. Like, it's easier to edit in the editing room than in the screenwriting room, which seems yeah, like that's such a bad yeah. misuse of money. You don't want to fuck your future self, right? You want to leave it all out there and be like, what does work, what doesn't, I guess. I think he also thought that there might be an Extended versions it. later? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that, like, you know, he's kind of a shrewd businessman. Like, he approached this uh, as much as an artistic project as, like, a, you know, an economic one. And so <laughs> I think that he kind of saw that, you know, saw it coming. This person I'm who has hung the back of his mint. career on the Beatles? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did he do that? I was I was just thinking. I was like, what did he get up to? A different epic? It was dumb of Tolkien to name two bad guys, Sauron and Saruman, Dude, right? Dude, fuck that. And I know, what like... What the shit? Why are we doing this? Just make one James or something. That's the kind of thing that when you adapt it, I think you should switch. Yeah. Like, s- switch Saruman. It's also weird that the secondary guy has the longer name. Uh-huh. Mm. Like, it, everything about it is just kind of wrong. And it's because he was building this language. because Tolkien yes. was building this language. And so he wanted there to be similar roots and everything. But it's that very weird for the audience. That's why, like, all of the, like, the hobbits have, like, weird names. Because, like, he invented a, a language that all of their names are actually in. And then translated yeah. those from that language into what, like, <laughs> English would be. So it's, like, it's like a whole a whole thing. So that's why that's all the names thing. are stupid and sound the same. <laughs> One of the things I always find fascinating about these uh, sci-fi or fantasy stories is that, like, there's no name, like, Bertha. Because... That's just not how the names work. Like, we've got, like, O's and, like, there's certain letters that we always go back to, you know? And so, like, there's some names that you can shout out. Like, that does not belong in this story. They always sound like these names over here. Ryan? That's not... No, that's not going to be there. No, Ryan with his great magical sword, Brian. (laughs) Brian? Now, that's a fucking name. How does the movie capture the difference between Gandalf's gray and white? Does it feel like there is a difference between Gandalf's gray and white? Uh, yeah, that's my my one big like problem <laughs> with the movies. Gandalf the Grey in the books is this cool old stoner. 
um, <laughs> who's like basically he knows he's got some big job that he has to do, but it's not time to do it yet. And so he's just like partying up. And then Gandalf the White is like, I came back to do the mission. And so now I'm a serious person. And I feel like they didn't really want that for the movies. And so they kind of had Gandalf the White be, I think, a little bit too much like Gandalf the Grey. Gandalf the White in his robe and his cane on his horse. Looks like he's from a D.W. Griffith movie. Looks like he's missing a hood. <laughs> yeah, they're like, the white wizard is coming. I did not like how they mashed the up wizard. Christopher Lee. Yeah. Uh, and it's creepy. Face. But, but, but are they called Ents because they ain't human, but they also ain't exactly trees neither. Like tank- yes. <laughs> the like taint, taint of, like the taint. Taint of <laughs> races. Mike, you're correct. You said yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you're exactly correct. It's the most correct anyone's ever been. If you could cut one of the storylines here, why is it the Ents? No, I would never cut the Ents. They're our tree no. friends. No way, my man. Oh, I would cut the Ents with an axe, and I would hit it oh, as hard as I can them. right at the bottom and chop it as fast as I could. You know, my favorite thing about the Ents is like, okay, we had the meeting. Everybody go your own ways. And then the second he sees Arisengard, he's like, Ents, get out here. And they just come out of the forest (laughs) right away. (laughs) What? What? You guys hanging out? Let's hang out. (laughs) My favorite Ent moment is post-Isengard. There's the water coming. The the orcs and Yurikai and goblins have been washed away. And then there's just one Ent fully on fire. He runs up and dives into the water. He's (laughs) He's like, like, oh, fuck. Yes. I gotta get in that water. I'm burning up. (laughs) He jumps up and he does the thing where he puts his hand behind his head and then just perfectly (laughs) dives in. I also love that. too much to have him go, I love how um, Mary and Pippin get picked up by this tree, and they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Bros, you have seen everything. Like, yeah. How is this crazy to you? We never talk about costumes on the show, but are they sort of the unheralded star of this movie? Yeah, costumes are so good. They all they all look great. Uh, they I, uh, My favorite little detail is just that Aragorn starts wearing Boromir's like, arm guards mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, like I, could, I couldn't believe I realized that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hate yourself a little bit, Ryan? Yeah, no, I was like. <laughs> but I feel like this movie kind of like ushered in a new era of costuming. Like Game of Thrones took it and absolutely ran with it. Like yeah. the, the the depth into which you can look into the Game of Thrones characters, like their outfits, is incredible. But this movie kind of set it up in a pre. Everyone has HD all the time, and so some of it like was threatened to even be kind of lost in it. But it's the point. It's like all the little details, all the appurtenances yeah. are, I, I think, kind of <laughs> all all the behind the scenes stuff of them making all these costumes is like incredible because it's just people who are like, yeah, we've been working for like basically five years nonstop yes. just making costumes, um, and this is just our job, and we just live here and we do this. And it, like the the best part about it, like I always go back to the Urukai. Yes. Because they look so dope. Their faces are all different and their costumes are all different. Like, uh, I'm going to wear the, uh, you know, cross belt and I'm going to wear just the one strap. And even and instead of like CGIing three and then hit CR or like control yeah. copy, control <laughs> copy all the way down, like they're all so different. All their faces are different. There is some of that, like when the drone or whatever gets the camera gets really high and we see it like the full armies. That's one thing. But, like, when we get in close on all these people who are just drones, they're not all dressed as stormtroopers. They're, ju- they're like, they're all different. And that's what's crazy. Yeah, they all look so different. Like, their heads are all different, different shapes and stuff. Yeah, one yeah. of them's like, I would eat their legs. Why? Well, I'm not as handsome as you are. <laughs> <laughs> one of the crazy details I read is uh, 
before they like you know they cut a lot they their mouths are supposed to be black because their blood is black and somebody on the fucking makeup department went like well if their blood's black why would their mouths be pink and so they made a licorice based mouthwash that they had to use over and over and over again throughout the day how much is a bottle of that awesome let's get Uh, it here for a party it's pretty alcoholic it's just jaeger those (laughs) urukai are drunk (laughs) a lot of fake deaths in this movie does seeing this repeat a few times begin to water down the drama a bit? Yeah, I'm kind of tired of this mechanism, and the movie does it a few times where, like, okay, the first one is we know Pippin and Mary are not dead, but we watch three of our main characters mourn them as if they are. That's weird. That's and then th- the same thing happens later in that what? scene. Aragorn goes over the side, and the audience at first is like, he's not dead, and then eventually finds out he's not, and yet we watch all these characters mourn him. It's just a weird kind of manipulative device. And yeah, like and I, I think the Gandalf. Gandalf, all the Gandalf returns are fine, but like th- we don't have the. Just let's go. Let's let's get him back. Hey, you five did it days. once with Gandalf. Like move yeah. on. You did the big one with Gandalf. He fell off a fucking mountain fighting a creature made of shadow and flame. He's allowed to come back. That's that's cool. Did <laughs> we he don't have say... we don't have to keep. <laughs> did he look up and say save me, you fools? No, I think he said fly, you fools. I think yeah. he said fly. I think we were supposed to run out of there. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. How do the effects, practical and computer-generated, look 20 years on? Do these orcs look like dorks? Do these cave trolls look like a-holes? I think that the orcs look like dork peppermint patties, if you ask me. <laughs> I, I, we talked about this earlier, but I think that there are some moments where they get as noodly as Harry Potter climbing on top of an ogre. But I, there's some moments that like look legit. And I will. I, have we brought up my good friend Timothy, the Oliphant? Like that, anything that has to do with that looks great. The cool elephant thing? Yes. That's yeah. like 18 times the size of an elephant. With tusks coming out of everywhere, tusks guys. Everywhere. Tusks His tusks had tusks. Compared to other movies in 2002, even even the CGI looks what? really, really good in this. And the practical flecks are just... The only thing that I think Second looks bad is when he tried to cut somebody out of one scene and put them into another one so that, like... He kind of like cut around them, and you can see them running out of the background. That's the, those are the only things to me that looked really, really bad. And it, it was full like cell work, like Poochie, just yeah, dude, it's, yeah, like they're not moving correctly, and like they're like expanding them as they come forward. Where like, like when it is the whole army running forward? Yeah, there's a, like, like there's or? one part where they put in Legolas running um, in a scene that he's obviously not in, but they sort of like mm. spliced him into it, and it just very much like the the film textures don't match quite right, and he doesn't look right. Maybe it's his luscious locks, but I feel like that's also, there's a lot of atrocious things in the Hobbit movies, but I remember Legolas jumping from barrel to barrel like he's some sort of Mario. Well, yeah. And it being the most noodly dumb thing. And so is it just they get him wrong? We talked about this in 2002, like a few of the movies, but back in 2002, you realized there were huge limitations to CGI and mm-hmm. you worked within those limitations. And a lot of those limitations have, they think that they've been, they've been removed or they act like they've been removed, but instead CGI has not actually gotten that much better. And the conditions under which they have gotten a lot worse. And so they no longer like work within these limitations. They just try to make it do everything. Dumb. <laughs> do you think a wizard could stop us from being so old and crusty? Like they did with the corpse King. Um, I- I hope so, or moisturizer. You know? Are we the four of us are just growing old like we are, hoping a wizard comes and saves yes. us? Yells at us into I've... being young again. Hey, I'm always hoping a wizard comes. Am I right? <laughs> 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 
And which of which of the four of us staff. are old wizards, and which of us are worm tongues to the other ones that are wizards? That's the I thing. think I'm the worm tongue for sure, right? For all three of us. But yeah. I think there's four of us, so everybody's somebody's wizard, everybody's somebody's worm yeah. tongue. It's, there's, a, there's a circle going on. Is this the most just a collection of scenes, not really a movie we've done for movie of the year? I did. I, like, I feel your hate. I feel like that you are not a fan of this movie. And I think that this movie works, but also I have seen in the last couple of months Quantumania and Fast X. And so compared to those two movies, I do think that this is a movie. It qualifies as a movie. As far like compared to other movies in 2002, I don't know, man. This is kind of like, I feel like in a way, this is birthing. Like, I think Peter Jackson, this and also I think the King Kong movie, which people don't talk about a ton, but I think had a lot to do with the shaping of the modern blockbuster. Which I fucking love. Yeah, that, that, I that, love that movie, movie is underrated. That, that, that King Kong is one of the first movies I ever saw that, like, it never stops. It never slows down. And I feel no, like that really no set forward, the template. No forward, like, plot momentum. Just like, uh, bugs? Yeah, yeah they <laughs> fall, and then there's a Send bug. In and the then bugs. running away from the bugs, they find a dinosaur. And running away from the dinosaurs, they go into these rapids. And going down these rapids, they see a poison. Like, it's there's just always <laughs> there's just always a new thing. And I feel like that kind of helps set the template for the types of movies we have now. Do you guys think that he's like Nolan, like the way that I think about Nolan, in that he's a bad storyteller? I'm going to focus this on Mike, not mm. the fanboys. Not the fanboys. Say say it one more time. Do you think that Jackson is like I think of Nolan, in that like he's good at the scene, but not at the story? Mm. No, well, I guess be, my Jackson love was incepted so young <laughs> that... I give him passes, and so even though this is what he is known for, and much more of his career is this, I'm like, no, but that's not that's not really Peter Jackson. But yeah, it might be like maybe he should be the head of an effects crew and like a great second tier director or second unit director, and maybe somebody like I just think with any director, when people are like, we're not going to edit you, it's when it gets bad, right? Yes. Almost any artist, really, when there's not like an outside force that comes in and says, like, here, let me help you form this into its final product. Because I believe the theatrical should be two hours. The extended should be three hours. And yet the theatrical yes. was three and the extended was four. <laughs> and yet. And I think that my guy in this <laughs> vein, if I'm a generation behind, is Sam Raimi, where like he would mm. is into all of the same stuff, all of the same yeah. practical effects genre things would swing in to do a Hollywood trilogy for him. It was Spider-Man instead of Lord of the Rings and then sort of swing back out and do gross, weird things. And I like, I will, uh, if it's just, if it just says go into a theater, this one, this movie is directed by Sam Raimi. This one's Peter Jackson. I'm going to Sam Raimi hundred percent of the time. Yeah. I think at one point I would have gone back and forth a lot more, but I've just realized the two thousands, me and Jackson have been on the outs. This is a movie called Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and not Lord of the Rings 2, Back in the Hobbit. Explain. I can't well, the hobbits aren't back together yet. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Asked and answered. We are going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, it's award season. Taste Buds, can you believe that the Academy Awards nominated this movie for so many Oscars and gave them three? Yes. Visual effects, come on. It makes sense. They blew yeah. everybody's dicks off. They did not know what to make of Schmeagle. Yeah, dude. A, a little guy who's uh, all CGI. 
That's not yeah. Jar Jar Binks? We love it. Uh-huh. I like that little guys who are all CGI, they have to have annoying voices. Oh, from yeah. Jar Jar to Dobby yeah. to Schmeagol. Nobody's just like, hey, uh, I look like a weird rubber cartoon. <laughs> Yo, what up? I'm a, I'm a cartoon. They did so good at Gollum that Andy Serkis became typecast as a little freak in a suit that they put someone yes. else on top of for like 12 years. Let's you know get some ping pong balls on this guy. You know what's weird, though, is that since watching um, Black Panther and uh-huh. Andor starring yeah. Andy Serkis, I can hear him in Gollum now. Like, I hear his yeah. voice when he talks. And I remember that the Black Panther was the first time I saw him in person, and I was like, I like him. I think he's yeah. an actual good actor. I don't. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. A, he was a great CGI Alfred man. in in the Robert Pattinson the Batman. He was best hair. Some define it as hair that looks the coolest. Let's see what these guys have to say, Ryan. Um, I have to go with somebody who um was there at the beginning, there at the end. Thought he would get there a little bit sooner, but um, this hair was so gorgeous that I could not tell that this was the same actor that would become the fat-faced, racist fuck Carl Urban from The Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that guy. that Those blonde, luscious locks made him so handsome. Hey, Usually, I think uh, long hair makes you look uh, uglier. This made him look so handsome. Like angelic. Yes. Like, he's really, yeah. like, we're used to seeing him as Billy Butcher, and he's got, like, or the, the guy from um, Thor. But he's, like, very pretty with this hair. He's very pretty. Pretty is not a word that you would use about Carl Urban until this movie. When the king's kicking him out, you're like, he's so pretty. Yeah, why why are you doing that? Can't send him out on the streets. He's too pretty. (laughs) Greg, what is your best hair? Man, when I came up with this, it was like, what if there's no, what if everyone just says this one answer because it's so obvious? It's got to be Aragorn, man. This guy is like a living shampoo commercial i want to know what is your regimen how is it that your whole body is so dirty but your hair is completely clean you've got balance you've got bounce you've got volume uh you're 80 years old and you've still got these chestnut curls like how are you doing it bro drop the regimen we're all trying to get there yeah greg you are exactly right it's for sure aragorn i in when these movies came out, I, for a little bit, went through a phase where I tried to grow my hair out to look like Aragorn's hair, yeah, and buddy. it did not work at all. <laughs> it is great hair, but I don't. I haven't decided how I'm going to tie break, but uh, go, it made Carl Urban look beautiful, guys. Wow. Oh, dear. Best battle move, Taylor. Uh, best battle move is absolutely, it's when... Flagolus gets on the shield and he yep. surfs down it. Yep. Are you arrows. fucking? It's yeah. so me. fucking cool. Are you and, fucking and, and then he jumps on. He he like ollies it off and yeah. shoves the the shield into a guy. Tony Come on. Hawk. Do, do yeah. you guys love the part where he drank Mountain Dew Code Red right before he did it? Was that awesome? <laughs> yeah. Was that awesome? And I, for you? And, I, and I loved when they played Superman by Goldfinger when he did it. It fucking ruled. Absolutely. If, not. if we didn't have Legolas riding on his shield, Link. Would not be able to ride to oh no, breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom. We owe that to Legolas, and it's the best part of both of those games. So, I never got to that part of the game. Damn it. Uh, you can do it as soon as you have a shield, you can do it. You just have to know how to do it. It's the knowing, it's the knowing, Greg. You put your hold your shield out in front of you, then you jump by pressing X, and then you press (laughs) A, and that puts the shield under you. You get put your whole shield in, you take your whole shield out, you put your whole shield in. And you slide it all about. 
I gotta go. You guys finish the show. I'm gonna go. You gonna go drink surf. off? Once you, when, Mike, once you start doing it, that's all you do in Zelda. You'll be like, no, I got a lot to do. And then you're just snowboarding down the biggest mountains you can find. Uh, Greg, given your ferocious agreement, are you ferociously oh, agreeing yeah, with dude. Taylor? That, that's that's got to be it. It's not the best action move in the whole series. Uh, Gandalf has a move I call the choo-choo that he does in the third <laughs> one, but that doesn't take place in this one. So, Ryan... Uh, what is it actually? That's not even Legolas's best move. Legolas's best move in the movie is when there's a horse running by, so he grabs onto it, turns it into a complete noodle man. Noodle. Yeah, dude, that's, that's the noodliest moment. But the actual one, Mike, is the fastball special. Uh, John Reese davies wow. says, I need you to throw me across that thing. And then Aragorn jumps over, and they murder. These guys behind the wall are dying left and right. These two motherfuckers on the bridge killing everyone left and right it's the fastball special it is the fastball special look if you guys know me and i'm judging something just say fastball yeah special. one i know my host two uh i know if there's a special move and mike or i say to the other one please don't tell other people we did this <laughs> it's locked in then we both throw our backs out and collapse trying to lift the other one don't tell anybody we did this but let's watch each other jerk off <laughs> right in the middle of the battle Look, Don't I want you to pretend it. like you're Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, uh, I'll do that. Cringiest moment that isn't what just was said. Greg, start with you. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard not to watch this movie and be like, so this is like all the white people holding the line against all of these white like men. imaginary but non-white people. And then there's a part where what? you get to see a human. He falls off the Oliphant, and you're like, what kind of human are these that are uh, aligned with the bad guys? Oh, it's a Middle Eastern guy. Uh, the Like, one of the only people of color in the entire movie is one of the bad guys. Um, it Especially in the modern climate, like, it just feels very uncomfortable to watch all these white people be like, our way of life is threatened by these brown people from another land that we don't even know that much about. We don't care because they're just purely evil. Uh, and I think that that moment comes across the most when suddenly this guy falls off the elephant. You're like, oh, there are humans who are aiding them, but they're non-white right. humans. Uh. <laughs> and I've thought about this a lot when it comes to fantasy, right? Like how races are portrayed. And I, I don't blame Tolkien, the, the originator. Like he described people a certain way. It wasn't like orcs are clear stand-ins for any specific race, right? It is. It's weird to be and like, well, anything, this race they'd be is the evil. Germans, right? They'd be the Nazis, so they'd right. be another white people. Yeah. It's it's people like David Eddings who are like the yellow skinned slanty eyed hoobala do. Yeah. That's who you gotta watch out for in the Bulgarian. And you're like, in fifth grade, little Mike's reading going, what the fuck did he just say? Like, <laughs> and the, how long it took for people to be like, we shouldn't do that anymore in our books. Yeah. Ah, that is a good one, Taylor. What do you got? Um, mine is, it's hard. It's hard for me to pick a cringiest moment, but I do think, I, I think it's, I think it's probably like the bit, I, and I don't know why this is, but it's the bit when they're like all aiming their arrows at, um, at Gollum and like forcing Frodo to like admit that he's friends with Gollum. I don't know why, but every time he gets that point, like it just makes me so, 
like it, it seems like that moment stretches for so long and it's like hey just tell just tell them that the little freaks with you it seems like they'd be cool with it like just just do it we've, but he's just so there had the weird friend we don't want to admit is her friend <laughs> at gunpoint. Uh, i don't know anything about him <laughs> that's a good one ryan what is yours <sighs> come on mike it's there's no other. There's no scene that stands out more than the skateboarding elf. Like that's just it. Period. Come on, man. Come on. You're man. so wrong. Are you I even from Southern California? <laughs> <laughs> that's not gnarly or tubular. Uh, based just on his passion. <laughs> give that one to Taylor. Pound for pound performance, Ryan. If there was more Ian McKellen, then it would definitely be him, right? Like he just. He has what it takes. He knows like the perfect amount of uh, earnestness, like we've talked about, but also like I like joking. I don't know. There's one moment where he winks because he's gonna bring his staff in that might take this award down right there. But I'm gonna go with Elijah Wood because um, I he is a supporting character here. Like typically, I I would think he's the lead. He is a supporting actor in this movie, but the way that he just keeps being under this drug and trying not to let the people around him like he doesn't want to seem weak in front of sam he doesn't want to seem weak in front of Gollum, be for different reasons um but just like always his eyes are about to roll into his head um he knows what his uncle right mm-hmm. bilbo acted mm-hmm. like he's so scared of that he's so scared of the world ending and so in the few minutes that we get of him just being like hey you have to let me go bitch my like the world's about to go down. I I think it's Elijah Wood. Well argued, Greg. Who do you got? I don't think any of these movies would work without the like comic stylings of Legolas and Gimli, and I think it comes primarily, almost exclusively, from Gimli. So it's I'm not Orlando John... Bloom. Yeah, I'm gonna go with John Reese Davies, and also I do. He does play two characters, so he's also Treebeard. But I feel like his all of the things that we talked about with the tone, that would still be okay. But I think Gimli keeps it grounded in humor, in entertainment. Um, he, Even though he's a dwarf, he's like one of the most human, real characters in the whole thing. And I just don't think all of this could hold together without um, John Rhys-Davies, who also, I have to mention, is the best part of the show Sliders and easily the best actor associated with the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. <laughs> also how dude is it like how much what? of it is like a maxim reading axe wearing dude to be like oh i was sort of motivated for this fight but now that we're keeping score yeah. i'm definitely motivated yeah. for this fight also uh, he puts on the armor and he says a line that i definitely uh, identify with which he's like it's a little tight across the chest <laughs> yeah dude do it for the barrel chest of boys out there bcbs <laughs> taylor who you got it's uh, it, I'm a little torn. It, it's pretty close to John Reese days for me. I think that would be like a pretty good choice. But I think like this is in a lot of ways Aragorn's movie. Like he's really he's brooding. He's he's screaming at the loss of his friends. He's like wandering along and just like shedding a painful tear at the memory of his loved one who he knows is going to leave him forever because he must someday die and she will live on forever. 
and then like he's just having whole conversations about how he's just going to hang out with a bunch of people who are going to die because that's what he needs to do. Like every scene he has like a different wild emotion to go through and he's and he's doing it like perfectly. So I think I think I give it to Vigo on this one. It is crazy how wrong you all are. Uh, one, if I had done a cringe, it would have been Aragorn's drop to his knees, screaming for his two friends. Absurd. Absurd cartoonish moment, even more than skateboarding. His toes were uh, broken. Andy Circus, It's clearly fucking Andy Circus. You crazies. You're all ridiculous. No points. Mike, can I give it an HM real quick? Um, Andy Circus. <laughs> <laughs> point, point, point. <laughs> uh, Saruman or Sauron, whichever one, brings out uh, Brad Dorif to see uh-huh. the armies. And Brad Dorif, what is acting about? Number one, doing two things at once. Number two, crying one tear. And he uh-huh. looks at them one and he tear. cries one single tear. That's a real skill Dorf has. And he pitched it. He's like, what if I cry a tear? And Jackson's like, do it, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Final award. Director's signature moment, Taylor. Um, I, th- I think it is... For me, it's the the use of the practical effects and the blowing up of the wall where they like just blew up oh, nice. yeah. the miniature My and walls. like and used it physically. I think that was like perfect, and I think that's like something that Peter Jackson is really, really good at is making you feel the physicality of of a big set piece. Have you guys ever seen that, or do you remember that Apple commercial where the person runs up with a hammer and throws it at the screen? <laughs> Yes. Oh yeah, just yeah, that yeah. Person with the torch running so oh. slow, and then just made it like he's part of NFL films. It, it every great. time I see that scene, I do expect for Chariots of Fire to be playing. <laughs> Rudy, <laughs> that is a good one, Greg. What do you got? Uh, a lot of terrain uh, shot in this, and a lot of the camera moving. Uh, Peter Jackson loves to move that camera around, and he specifically loves to spin it around something, even if there's not really a reason to. Um, <laughs> so he combines those things along with the practical effects thing in his establishing shot of Rohan, which he like slides the camera around like 180 degrees, and then the mountains off in the background like slide across it, and there's almost like they almost move against each other. And that combination of like the terrain and the camera movement and the like actual building being there, um, I just thought like very much is like feels like Peter Jackson written all over it. I, I had a question about that. King Corpse lives in this like shitty like it's a, a hill and it's pleasant, but it's like a shitty wooden palisade, right? I had the it's same not question. a real and then they're like, Well, let's go to the castle of Helm's Deep, like this bro's the king. Why doesn't he live in the castle? Well, because it's uh, first of all, living in a castle fucking sucks. You don't want to live in a battlement. Yeah. And the second of all, they're, they're the horse lords, so like they need to be on those planes because they train the the horses, and so they like mm. need the wide open countryside. They go yeah. to Helm's Deep when shit hits the fan because it's a little stinky. Like it's a back alley that you back yourself into, and then you like you have to go live in the caves or you stand up on the wall. So it sucks. Okay. And this you know this was a once and mighty. Qu- King, and then, but everybody knows that he's been taken over by Sauron or yeah, Saruman. I, think so. I, 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 yeah, I think a lot of people know, and like, as I said, I think like two thousand of their like best writers all just fucking left because he's <laughs> shitty. And this is like the end of the third age, so I think like they used to be an even larger like civilization, and we're sort of seeing them more on the decline, if yeah. I remember correctly. I can't relate to that. A once great country on the decline. 
decrepit corpse kings leading us. Uh, where did we start? Where did we go? Ryan, yes. what do you got? Uh, so I'm going to say I think my favorite Peter Jackson thing. Uh, I think you see a lot in my favorite Peter Jackson movie, King Kong, or Meet the Deedles, which is um, when uh, Gandalf and Carl Urban come up on the top of the hill. That's supposed to be a moment. Didn't work for me. What did work for me is when they started coming down and we saw half of the gross-ass orcs or whatever break off to fight them, and half of them continue to run towards the castle, and I know what we're doing. And now I know the stakes, and I know that we've divided them up. That's wow. that's Peter Jackson's, like, filming. I mean, that was, like, almost uh, Saving Private Ryan-esque of, like, now we know what the war is by showing this giant overhead shot. The geography of the war. The geography the of the war is what I'm looking for. And that's like that really does fit with the books too, because so much of the books he's like, here's where they're mustering, and here's where they're drawing their battle lines, and here's where the so like it, it, the for sort of following the uber movements of the army really does. And work. see, I can totally see that like uh, falling in love with the books, but also saying this should be a movie, right? Like <laughs> I, I read all this and fell in love, but people should just watch this happen. So we got Spinny Hill, geography, of the battle. <laughs> Just too much time has passed. What was yours, Taylor? Uh, ex- exploding terrain and and like physical. The, ex- the wall exploding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That one got a Mikey loves. Those are all the awards. Finally, we get recommendations. Greg, what do you got? If you are enjoying your Lord of the Rings movie and you're like, man, I wish they found a way to do more diversity in this um, and tell a different story set in the same universe, check out Amazon's The Ring of Power. Uh, the Ring of Power is uh, a show that has like the least persistence of any like people that watch the first episode of Ring of Power at the lowest rate of any other show <laughs> go on to watch more <laughs> episodes. But I think you should stick it out because it's a little bit rough, um, but it tells a very interesting story, which is like the formation of Mordor and like kind of the age that comes right before this one. And you get to see a little bit more of the high fantasy. Every civilization's in like extremely good shape. Uh, all those ruins that they walk around in in this movie, that you get to actually see them as like functioning places. Uh, and I think it makes a really interesting companion piece. And for the show, they were just like, yeah, some of the elves are black. Please don't talk to us about it. Some of the dwarves are black, and some of that way it's not all of the white people on one side and all of the people yeah. of color on the other side, which I think is a, a cool so change. Sense. Makes so much sense to do. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, if you are like, oh, that's a middle entry into a trilogy. That seems good. But what if um, it was legit good? Uh, I would recommend Before Sunset, a movie that tells a story <laughs> All on its own, has a little bit of buildup in the first one, has a little bit of follow-up in the third one, but the second one is nearly perfect filmmaking and didn't take a mountain of fucking uh, birthing orcs in order to tell. It's just a simple story about two people falling in love. Wouldn't it have been better, though, if they just walked by that? In whatever the city they were in the pit. second one. And then, <laughs> and it's just a birthing pit. And they were both like, uh, I, like I like you, but I love this new work. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna do that instead. What have you been doing in the intervening years? I mostly work in the birthing pit. <laughs> I have an honorable mention, Mike. Uh, I hope that this, that this isn't stealing Taylor's. But um, if you like the character Aragorn, right? Uh, there's a movie called Aragorn from like 10 don't, years ago, 20 years ago. Don't recommend them that. No, but like this is a movie or th- this is a book that like a 12-year-old wrote, right? That, that is that is true. The book is so much better than the movie and the book but, isn't that good. 
But they were like, this book has, uh, we've sold copies of this book. We have to make it a movie. <laughs> Come on, guys. Don't. Just don't do it. Just don't do just it. Just don't do it. That, uh, the projection machine had issues 20 minutes into that movie. And they're like, oh, we'll start another one in 10 minutes. And I went, no. Now I'm you're good. Never seeing this again. <laughs> I'm about. Thanks, I'm though. so glad that machine <laughs> broke down. Did, Mike, did you read the book? No. No. Taylor, you did? Wait. I Yeah, I read the first three, I think. Oh, and then I sort of you fantasy out. readers. Yeah. I, I, but I watched the movie. I was like, no, thank you. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Utter trash. Taylor, what is your recommendation? Um, I, I want to give a quick second to, to Greg's recommendation. Uh, the Rings of Power is very good. If you like this and want to see more in the same universe, watch the Rings of Power. Um, I, I, my recommendation is if you like this movie and specifically the um, sort of like good versus evil, like clearly defined lines uh, bits, uh, check out Dune. I I, th- I, yeah. think, I think if you like a universe with lots of lore and clearly defined, like we've got good guys and bad guys, check out Dune. You're you're gonna have a good time. It's a lot more sand than is in this movie. I mean, there's uh, definitely bad guys, Taylor. <laughs> but would you? S- is Dune really a story where there's good guys? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> there there. Okay, that's fair. But there are some <laughs> there are some clearly there's some people that we are designed to root to for. hate. Put me. <laughs> yeah. put, oh, put, I see. Yeah. I'll put I'll put it that way. I, and then there are I, and then there's some evil people. It's gonna be so interesting to watch the culture watch Dune too when it comes out in the theaters and people be like, uh, wait, what was Timothy Chalamet doing? Oh yeah. What hey, was uh, that? Did, t- did Timothy Chalamet do, do sort of like a, a mass, a genocide? Cr- a, a mass a, crime, like a, like, like a, a light genocide or like a medium <laughs> to large genocide. Like a, like Dune a, gal- two, like a gal- genocide. Wide, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is, uh, again, if you like big epic fantasy, uh, I thought, Things only started to get complicated more recently, but Remedy Feist's The Rift War Saga started in the 70s. Uh, the first book is just called Magician. That's how long ago this is a fantasy. You could just call it Magician. <laughs> uh, but it starts off, and you're like, I get it. These guys are bad, and these guys are good. And as the book and then the series continues, you're like, oh, it's about how nobody knows how to communicate, and they just get angry and afraid and kill each other instead. Uh, it is dope, and I like it so much more than I like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <gasps> can't say that i know it's it's one of the numerous things i'm not allowed to say that i do say greg he doesn't doesn't like it as much as the bible it's fine you still like the bible right mike yeah the bible is my favorite fantasy novel (laughs) yeah we love when david collects the 204 skins no No other fantasy novel is brave enough i got 195 (laughs) man i'm ready to call it a day here come on five brave souls there was a point in this movie where, is it Gimli? Uh, he was like, 78, 79, 80. Bitch, you're not killing anybody. You're just shouting out numbers. Like, there's uh, no way you're well, killing people. Well, yeah, but he's getting Legolas's head, isn't he? Yeah. And the orc's head. Yeah. Man, he's trying, he's he's trying to numbers. confuse Legolas's counting. <laughs> Rings of power, you get to see Gimli's dad, Gloin. Gloin? That's something, that's something for the, the fans <laughs> out there. Oh, Gloin. Gloin, dude. Yeah. yeah, get some Gloin action. Are you guys ready to hear the ranking? Yes, uh, I am. Who is my Lord of the Ring? <laughs> I don't know what it means, but that's who the winner is. It sounds like your uh, 
Yeah, coming up, uh, he's fully a Gimli. Like, he's there. Everybody loves that he's there. He did it. And uh, I guess he's redheaded as Ryan. He's super funny. Ooh. Everyone loves him. Kind of short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, he's going to be there. He's going to inspire people. He has a long, luscious beard. 55 points is Greg. I like how being there is part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, is he going to be there? And you're not sure if he's on drugs or not is my little Frodo. Is Taylor with 56 points. Taylor won? I, is this, Taylor won. Is this the first one of these in the history of the show that I have won? I think so. Yeah, it has to be. C- Look congrats, at him. brother. It, I think it helped that I forgot the bit of, uh, I'm supposed to give other people points when you just know a lot about the books, and then just started giving you, I was like, I'm impressed with the knowledge. <laughs> this is the only time it will happen. Don't get used to it, listeners. I'll be back to my little pig shit snarfing self next time. <laughs> I appreciate that honesty. And I think this might mean contractually you have to come back one more time before the season ends, but we'll let the lawyers hash that out. Uh, how do we think this is going to do in the bracket? Bad. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, like, there's three people who like it or love it, and one person who has been just quietly seething <laughs> the entire show. And I don't think you can have... Well, I don't know two- about quietly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say thank you for giving me that compliment. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I think it already would have been a stretch. It was fun. It's a ripper on good time at the movies. Highly recommend. I think it already had a lot going against it. And but one yeah, panelist not liking it's too much. I, I like I, I, I like this movie, but I would put it roughly at Adam's family level. Mm. Like it, you know, it's this is a fine movie. I would so much rather watch the Adam's family. I don't. There's something I I, I underwear. I, I you underwear. Your wife, Mike, was was your wife around no. when you watched? I this knew. This was I knew solo. that if Mike didn't like it, he was going to be asked, "Was his wife?" <laughs> I in know the that's room? just the thing you guys decided. Uh, no, and this is my history with these movies. Yeah, is I've tried for so long. Uh, I I went to in high school. We had like a day extra day off, and there there's a gal who who loved these so much. So we got there at nine in the morning. We're gonna have all the meals at her house. Her mom's like, "Here's all the junk food," and I didn't know they were all the extended versions, so we watched all the extended fellowship. We watched all the extended this one, and then I snapped, started screaming and flipping off my friends, and ran out of the room. Nobody was forcing me there. I just couldn't fucking do it anymore. There's something about these movies that, does, that I, I I love fantasy. I should love this shit. That does yeah, make it rough for the uh, future prospects of this movie. You don't <laughs> like uh, you're a, like a big fantasy fan who doesn't like Lord of the Rings or Dune. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I like the book Dune. Oh, you do? Okay, well, that's good. Okay. Yeah. I like the first book Dune, and I much prefer the wackadoo 80s Dune to the new shit. That's, what that's about such a strange Dune. Oh, I love a Jurassic Dune. Jurassic. My favorite cookie. <laughs> that is all the time we have for Lord of the Rings, colon, the Twin Towers. Coming up the rest of the season, we have Catch Me If You Can, Marvin Collar, and more. I don't know if it's true anymore. I think those are the only <laughs> movies we've got left. Thank the Lord. Until then, keep watching those movies.
So, while Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected anywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. And we're already seeing certain medical practices be restricted even in those states. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four, donationsforabortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. Has a collection of these resources and more. You can also find all the links to these resources at podvoices.help and in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.